You're listening to a Stranger Cast at thestranger.com. Hey, it's Wednesday, September 11th, and I'm Eli Sanders, and this is Blabbermouth, the Stranger Podcast in which we talk about what's going on this week. Rich Smith is here, Katie Herzog is here, and we will talk about their memories of September 11th, 2001, which are probably a bit different than yours if you were an adult at the time of September 11th, 2001. After that, the latest Trump administration revolving door craziness, John Bolton, is out. Also, Trump can edit the weather with a Sharpie, as you may have heard. We'll consider what all of that means. And a big Democratic debate is coming right up. We'll talk about that. Then Lester Black is here to talk about the scare around vaping. There have been 450 cases of something pneumonia-like linked, people think, to vaping and around six deaths nationwide. What is vaping? What do people think is going on? And what can you do to make your vaping safer? Lester will tell us. And then Jasmine Keimig is here to talk about British grime rapper Slow Tie and a new album from FKA Twigs. Rich, good morning. Good morning. Katie Herzog, good morning. Good morning, Eli. Happy 9-11. Yeah, I have been reminded, it was not very present on my mind, but I've been reminded by every uh, media website that I've gone to this morning that it's the anniversary of September 11th. We were recording on the morning of September 11th, 2019. So 18 years ago were the attacks on the World Trade Center and the Pentagon, 3,000 Americans were killed. A war was launched on faulty premises, multiple wars, actually. The first one against uh, the Taliban in Afghanistan was uh, directly linked to 9-11. The second one in Iraq was not. We are still present in both countries and countless lives outside of America have been lost as a result of those wars. Although we were going to have the Taliban come to Camp David, Camp David right. to negotiate this whole thing, but right. John Bolton got in the way. Yeah, this was all in President Trump's mind, just one big 18-year cliffhanger that he was going to resolve with a final episode at Camp David, but then that didn't work out so well. I have noticed over the last many years that the remembrances of September 11th are pretty dominated by folks who were adults at that time, or even old people at that time. And it's because those are the people with platforms and megaphones and uh, publishers and all of that. Rich, how old were you on September 11th? I was 14. I was in Belton, Missouri, and I was in a tech theater class. And how did it enter your consciousness? I walked in and my theater teacher uh, had his uh, head in his hands in one hand, and then with the other, he was just pointing at the television, which he had turned on because it happened uh, in between classes. And uh, he was very affected by it. And then all of us were just kind of watching the image of the plane going into the building over and over and over. And that's in, we were just watching the news in, in class. And so you must have then gone through, am I doing the math right, two presidential election cycles where you couldn't really do anything about uh, the America's response to 9-11 because you were too young to vote. Maybe one and a half. Yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe one and a half. Um, I remember uh, my mother is in 
is from New York. She's from Levittown, Long Island, and uh, she was. She's also very paranoid, and she thought that we were all uh, under attack and that they were like coming from the, for the Jews or something. And then so she uh, called to have me sent out of class. And I remember making an incredibly tasteless joke on the way out because I was mad that I, I had to go home for the day. And as I left, I turned to the class and said, sorry, guys, I got a plane to catch. And then, <laughs> and then I left. Kitty Herzog, <laughs> how old were you? I was 18, so uh, this was half my life ago, exactly. And how did it enter your 18-year-old mind? You know, if I recall correctly, and I probably don't because I've smoked a lot of weed since then, I was in my dorm as a freshman in college, and my roommate was watching Friends, as she did every day, and like Friends reruns, and it was there was like breaking news, breaking into the, into the TV. So I, I, I had an exam that morning, and the exam was over, so I happened to be in a room with a television while it, while the news broke. And uh, you had a teacher who really remembered your response. Yeah, so so years later, a, a professor of mine at the time, a, a creative writing professor, wrote a memoir, and she included a chapter in her memoir about me because I was a very memorable student, apparently. And um, when she did a reading in Seattle some years later when the book came out, and I went to the reading at Elliott Bay Books here, down the street from our office and she read this chapter and it turns out that on 9-11 according to her I my teacher was from Manhattan and I really didn't like her and I walked into class we were having a discussion about it and I said we deserved it and then it was uh, memorialized in a book that not that many people read <laughs> well maybe a few more will now read it yes all right and here we are 18 years Later, and like I said, still in Afghanistan, still in Iraq in different ways, uh, still, well, not still. The world has, in my mind, only gotten uh, more crazy and scary. And Donald Trump is president. Can you believe it? Uh, No, but (laughs) I wake up each morning and it's still going on. So I think it must be real, or I'm assuming it is at this point. And uh, one less slightly not slightly very worrisome character in the trump administration john bolton yeah well wait he was in so he was in the the sec, the bush jr administration was he in the second was he in the second term or the first term i can't remember but that is the segue that i missed katie because john bolton bridges 9-11 and the neocon push for invading iraq and, and rudy giuliani also all then, these characters now, they yeah they, they don't disappear they just right. wait for the opportunity and john bolton saw i guess another opportunity in trump and like a lot of people came into the trump administration i assume thought he could bend a very naive trump to his will and found out that trump appears to have no beliefs about anything and changes his mind all the time. He's all will and no ideology. Yeah. And uh, Bolton found himself on the wrong side of Trump and either got fired or resigned or resigned and got fired or who knows. But in classic Trump fashion, uh, it was announced that there would be a press conference with John Bolton on, I guess it was Monday morning. And uh, so Bolton's getting ready for his little press conference. And then he gets fired by tweet right before that. So Bolton's out. But as always, the next guy in line in the Trump administration is even scarier or at least quite worrisome. Acting National Security Advisor Charles Cooperman was on the board of an anti-Muslim think tank that trafficked in conspiracy theories. So he fits right in with a lot of people that Trump has hired 
but maybe not the best person to be on the National Security Council. There's a whole report in Huffington Post on him. Meanwhile, Trump controls the weather. Did you know that, Katie? Uh, I, I read that on Twitter, Trump's Twitter, actually. Yeah. So if there's a hurricane, which we talked about last week at some length, and Trump says it's going to Alabama, then it went to Alabama, even if it didn't go to Alabama. Indeed. He uh, he edits the weather. Yeah, with a Sharpie. Mm-hmm. So you can't have... <laughs> As if we all didn't immediately know the second that it was a Sharpie line, slowly sort of like getting the little bit of Alabama's heel in the path of the hurricane. It was It was just... It's his signature. Yeah. It's comical. And it's also, if you can rewind your brain to pre-2016... It's authoritarian and scary. Like we have a president who denies the consensus of his weather people, right? There's a lot of weather people employed by the government. They're scientists. They told him and have been telling him that the hurricane was not going to hit Alabama. But because he mistakenly tweeted that the hurricane was going to hit Alabama for some reason, who knows what, maybe he couldn't read the map right at first. He has to go and reverse science, reverse history, reverse the weather, reverse reality with a Sharpie and uh, put this, you know, Sharpie edited placard up on TV and think that we won't notice. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then rely on a bunch of low level functionaries to try to cover for him and then rely on like, you know, hero scientists to be like, wait, no, science is real. The, you know, leak what actually happened to the press. And then we have to go through this whole fucking cycle because it bruised his ego or bashed his ego, or did something. He He's only driven by his ego. And so we have a whole fucking week where we're talking about the president trying to control the weather with a fucking Sharpie retrospectively. We've gone, in other words, in 18 years from the fiction of weapons of mass destruction, which was, you know, and a kind of elaborate fiction in Iraq. Remember mm-hmm. that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, was, that was elaborate, and you couldn't, like unravel it you know very easily it took years and by the time it was unraveled we were already at war in iraq to the president just draws with a sharpie on a map in the oval office and things go on no one cares but everyone knows that he has added reality and for some reason his base which does seem to be shrinking a little according to the polls still doesn't care trump's approval rating is falling but it's still in the mid-30s Nobody. Well, it's. I read a. There was about yes about the approval rating. It's it's a little bit. What is it? Thirty three, and it, it's normally at forty or it's thirty five or something. I can't remember. But just to, to before we abandon the point about nobody caring, people do care. But like I, I just uh, saw a poll that says only twenty eight percent, or people only believe twenty eight percent of the official uh, word that comes out of the White House which is just a little bit more than um, how much people trust journalists. So we, <laughs> wow. there, there is, that, that is the, the, the effect. I mean, it, it erodes trust in public institutions, and then public institutions get to, the people who run them get to do whatever they want to. And this has been a long time coming, but since we're talking about 9-11, that was one very big uh, weight on the scale, so to speak, in lack of trust in government, in media, in all the institutions that are supposed to tell you the truth about what's going on in the world. I mean, Trump and President Obama, former President Obama, a lot of politicians rode that wave of distrust about the huge mistake and falsehood that was at the center of the Iraq war, for example. Mm -hmm. 
It's interesting that nobody really paid for that. You know, I mean, except for the lives of Iraqis who died, you know, but in terms of American leaders, I mean, Bush got reelected. Um, nobody went to jail. It's just sort of this like lack of consequences is a little disturbing. Yeah. If and you're maybe, rich and powerful enough, you can get away with whatever the fuck you want. Maybe another uh, reminder that Trump really, really could win a second term yes. based on recent American history. Although... There is a piece in the New York Times this week that's worth a read if you're feeling like the Democrats definitely have no chance of winning. The Republican Party is doomed, says Stanley Greenberg. He's a Democratic pollster. Mm -hmm. He has a totally different theory of the case than a lot of people on the left or the right. I'll just read you the first paragraph because it's, I don't know, I just haven't heard people saying this. Um, And he's got a lot of data to back it up, and you can read it in the New York Times. But what Stanley Greenberg says is this. The 2020 election will be transformative like few in our history. It will end with the death of the Republican Party as we know it, leaving the survivors to begin the struggle to renew the party of Lincoln and make it relevant for our times. It will liberate the Democratic Party from the country's suffocating polarization and allow it to use government to address the vast array of problems facing the nation. That man is an optimist. <laughs> that man is assuming that we get the Senate, but <laughs> and a hey, and then uh, but I mean not so wrong in terms of the House. There was just a special election in North Carolina where uh, Dan McCready, the Democrat, faced off against Dan Bishop, the Republican. It was a special election because the Republican before had cheated, cheated <laughs> for lack of a better word, stolen votes or sold votes. I can't remember. Which. He was the beneficiary of cheating. <laughs> he was the beneficiary of cheating. Um, in, in any event, it was uh, a Trump plus 12, I think, uh, district, and the Republican only won by two. Dan Wasserman, uh, election uh, analyst, said that there are 30 uh, House seats that are controlled by Republicans that uh, – it's, it's, it's worrisome for Democrats because it's – They didn't because win. Because they didn't win, but it's worrisome for Republicans because there's a lot of seats where Republicans are doing a lot worse than Bishop was doing and are seen as flippable now. Uh, so th- there is there is some sort of you know at least electoral um, evidence that um, uh, that this guy in the Times uh, might be right. And some people have noted this morning. Think back to 2017. Remember when we were like breathlessly tracking all these special elections in 2017 for some sort of sense of which way the country was going after Trump was elected and took power. And there were all these closely watched special elections where the Democrat was definitely going to win and then just barely lost. Or in some cases, maybe they did eke out a win. But that was a harbinger of what was about to happen in 2018. Because those elections were so close, it meant that exactly as you said, Rich, Republicans who were in less safe districts were going to be swept out. And they were swept out. Uh, The Democrats took the House. And so this North Carolina race is fits into that 2017 pattern and is perhaps a harbinger for 2020 in terms of the Democrats holding the House and maybe, maybe making gains in the Senate. We will see. Just got to get through the Electoral College as well, which, yeah, I mean, the, the, the narrative before this, right, is that it's all going to come down to Wisconsin and that the Electoral College is looking as good for Trump, if not better, in 2020. And uh, who knows? We're all nervous. Uh, well, Marianne Williamson, in terms of the presidential race, the race to take back the White House, has got it all figured out, as you know, but she is not being allowed. She hasn't made the cut, really, is the better way to say it. She will not be in the next 
presidential debate, which happens on Thursday. There are only 10 people in the debate this time. Only 10. I know. Thankfully, I just want to read the list because it's actually a, a list that you can read and not lose everyone. So we've got Joe Biden, Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, Kamala Harris, Pete Buttigieg, Beto O'Rourke, Cory Booker, Amy Klobuchar, Andrew Yang, and Julian Castro. So a lot of people who I'm happy to see out of the debate are actually out of the debate. Marion Williamson is not there. Tulsi Gabbard. Sorry, Gabbard fans, but she is not there. She'll, I think she's going to stick on, stick around for a while. She's got those weird, like, what, what, there was some piece about some kind of lefty super funder in the Pacific Northwest giving her a bunch of money. Susan Sarander's behind her, so she seems like the, you know, weird ass. Yeah. The piece was actually about her giving someone in the mountains of the Pacific Northwest a lot of money okay. to be a consultant. That's right. right. Okay, yeah. And it is a weird piece, and you should look it up, uh, but it is too weird and dark a rabbit hole to go down. Uh <laughs> right now she's a cult person so we've got this list of 10 i'm just curious who would you kick off the list of 10 even before the debate happens joe biden i would (laughs) i would replace all right marianne williamson is a joke for sure she should not be in this race love does not win no matter how many times she repeats it however she's entertaining and i would rather see her in the debate than joe biden wow okay replace joe biden with marianne williamson rich uh, I, I have to agree with Katie on this one. Uh, I do not <laughs> want to see Joe Biden on the debate stage. Although it was funny when his eye started to bleed at the at the Democratic town. I know this is that when you said that I was just like, well, then we'll miss all these kinds of gaffes. <laughs> like you know, he's not going to you know hug Amy Klobuchar too closely or have an eyeball or two <laughs> explode. Someone, yeah. yeah or, Did yeah. his eye start to bleed? Yeah. During the town hall, the, the climate climate change. Ha- climate change town hall, his eye literally started to bleed while he was talking. Like not like. <laughs> dripping blood but filled with blood yeah like a blood vessel burst yeah. in his eye and so his eye is now half red just retired joe he needs to spend time with his grandchildren wow before he loses his vision entirely all right i am ready to say goodbye sorry amy klobuchar but i'm ready to say goodbye to amy klobuchar eli then we'd have a one woman race no elizabeth warren right, kamala right. harris oh i forgot about harris sorry um i could no, but I feel he's too entertaining. Andrew Yang. I mean, it's not going to happen, Andrew Yang, but I'm, re- I'm, I'm okay with him still being in the debate. Yes. The longer that Yang is in there, the longer we can talk about UBI. And that is, you know, and that's, that's good. That's good for the country. We need to normalize that. Yang is also uh, mobilizing the Reddit crowd, which yeah. I sort of appreciate. People who might actually be drawn to sort of the, the fuck you Donald Trump vote are really mobilized about Andrew, Andrew Yang. All right. Well, we will see what happens in the debate, and we will definitely talk about it next week. Next, we need to talk about vaping. How are you feeling about your chompers, Rich? Now that I have ARC, like a king. (laughs) You're talking about ARC, the teeth whitening service? Yeah, I'm surprised you can even look me straight in the eye because I have my mouth open, which means that you can see my teeth, which means that they're shining so brightly you should be blinded. I had just gotten used to your blinding brilliance and eloquence, and then you got the blinding teeth, and yeah, it is a little much. You don't get teeth as white as riches without a little help sometimes. And whether it's a job interview or your dating profile, your smile can help you make the best first impression as we know. And if it's not as vibrant and white as riches, you're basically fucked. Arc can help. 
It'll give you more confidence and a new way to achieve professional level teeth whitening at home for just 30 minutes a day. Each ARC treatment includes dentist approved enamel safe whitening strips that adhere to your upper and lower teeth along with ARC blue light technology. The blue light mouthpiece arcs around your entire smile, delivering targeted blue light energy to help weaken set-in stains below the enamel's surface, making your treatment more effective than strips alone. Arc can help you reveal a smile that's 50 times wider than a leading whitening toothpaste, and they offer satisfaction guaranteed. And to help Blabbermouth listeners get a whiter, brighter smile, Arc is offering $15 off your purchase of a blue light kit. Listen, people are coming in here with orange energy, orange light energy, red light energy, green light. No, blue light energy. That's the only light energy we're taking here at Blabbermouth. Blue light kit comes when you visit arcsmile.com and use promo code Blabbermouth. At checkout, go to arcsmile.com and use promo code Blabbermouth for $15 off your blue light whitening kit that's arcsmile.com promo code blabbermouth rich i want to talk about your vaping yeah well wouldn't be the first time (laughs) let's talk about it tomorrow can i give you the the trump treatment no we need to talk about it today and i brought in an expert lester black stranger writer who knows a lot about all things weed lester welcome hello hi eli hi rich hi so Rich is still vaping despite people dying from vaping. It sounds like all over the country there's basically like vape lung is getting people. Well, I don't know if that's <laughs> is that the what we're vape calling lung it? is here. The vape that's, lung? That's the what summer I, of vape death. That's what I called it just now. But yeah. I don't know anything about this, which is why I brought Lester in. Lester, we have a lot of people listening to Blowermouth coming from all different directions, including some people who are um, in generations that probably don't even know what vaping is. So let's start there. Like, what is vaping? Yeah, so what is vaping? Vaping is the inhalation of a type of steam that's created by a small handheld electronic device. Um, It can be used both for e-cigarettes and for cannabis oil. So it can replace cigarettes and it can replace smoking weed. And it's gotten wildly popular in the last few years, in large part because people actually think it is safer to use these e-cigarette or vape devices instead of smoking the substance. Why do Um, they think that? Well, e-cigarettes don't have carbon monoxide or tar in them like a cigarette does. And inhaling the vapor of cannabis oil often feels a little easier on your lungs than Uh, smoking the flower of cannabis. These things are really more feelings, though. Uh, This hasn't been super well studied, so it's not a situation where we can say it is safer. And it probably is, you know, is it less dangerous? Is it safer? We don't really know. But then this summer, we have this rash of outbreaks of real pneumonia-like symptoms in a lot of people who are also vaping. And so it's scaring a lot of folks. Um, We've had over 450 cases in 33 states, uh, and now we have six deaths. All of these cases are connected to people who are vaping. Um, And so it's pretty concerning, uh, in large part because we don't really know exactly what is causing these illnesses. There's a few things that seem to maybe be causing it. It might be the chemicals that are put in these vape pens, um, but we really don't know. And so that's 
one of the most concerning things is people are falling ill, people are getting sick, and we don't know exactly what's causing them. Vape pens are like if you're walking down the street and you see, Rich, you describe it as like someone uh, smoking a, a USB drive, basically. Yeah, that's one version of the vape pen. Vape pens take many for. As a member of the vape community, I've come into contact with several vapes. One kind of vape is like a lightsaber vape that someone like makes at home with their own little watchmaker gears. Another kind is like a slightly smaller version of the lightsaber, and then another kind is like a jewel, which is looks exact, which is a name brand of a of a e cig, and it looks exactly like a, a very long thumb drive. Yeah. And lightsaber because they like light up, you know, with like light blue or red or whatever. No, lightsaber literally because the the handles like uh, it, it just looks like the handle of a lightsaber. Uh, it's a long cylindrical object made of metal, and it's got a battery in there. It's got some fuses. It's got like a little reed device. You can change the voltage for you know what temperature you are vaporizing the e liquid. And there are two sort of like like industries in uh, vaping, at least in e-cig vaping, which is distinct from vaping cannabis. But there is the sort of like mom and pop shop vapors who like brew up like big vats of like new e-cig liquid that you put in the cartridge. And then there is like Philip Morris or Altria, these big tobacco companies that are trying to get into the market and they're producing these products um, like Juul that have pods and that go and they're, they're, those are sold mostly at convenience stores. So you've got like convenience stores, big market vapes, Juul, and then you've got these kinds of like homebrew, like vape store and it's vapes and it's important to note in both of those cases the u.s government is not regulating these things at all that was my next question no way so we are sitting here in washington state which legalized cannabis a long time ago and so i always have to check in like what is what is the rule about uh e-cigarettes or i guess vape vape pens for pot around the country. Yeah, so it's uh, a little bit complicated in one way where we do have regulations for some pot vape pens. Like in Washington State, we have fairly strict regulations on what can go into these vape pens. There's tests that have to be done on these products. But when we talk about e-cigarettes, there's no regulations at all in this country. That's not true in other countries. The UK has pretty tight regulations around e-cigarettes, and they have not had any of these cases. So maybe that's pointing to something. Um, But when it comes to the federal government, they have completely taken a back seat and not done anything when it comes to figuring out what is a safe way to vape, is it safe to vape at all, and how to prevent these kind of illnesses. Why are you allowed to use pot vape pens in states where pot is still illegal? How do you, how do you get around the state law? You get around it by going to the black market. Okay. The vaping is getting really popular whether or not the government is legalizing vaping. So in states like Michigan or Kansas or Illinois, where there is not a adult use pot market set up yet, there's still people who want to buy pot vape pens. And so they're finding it on the black market. And that's really what looks like is causing these illnesses is black market pot vape pens that have been adultered with strange chemicals that we really don't know what happens when you inhale them. And it appears that some of them, at least you can get sick from. Is there overlap, uh, strong overlap in the states where the cases are popping up and the states that don't have legalized regulated markets? There is, yeah. Most of these cases are not in states with legal markets. A few are. There's uh, one death in Oregon, actually, that seems like it could be connected to a legal pot vape pen, but the officials in Oregon haven't actually found the vape pen yet, and so it's not 
really proven that it was from a legal store. But other than that, these vape pens appear to be coming from the black market in states where adults don't have the option to buy a regulated product. So you and Rich are still vaping despite what's going on. We've got 450 cases that we think might be linked to vaping people who are sick. And then we've had six deaths nationwide. Is that right? Yeah, six deaths. Um, But your recommendation, at least to yourself, is keep vaping. Yeah, so I I am still vaping. Uh, I am nervous about this health crisis, but I'm confident that the pot vape pens in Washington state are safe. Um, In large parts, we we have a state government that's actually regulating these products. Um, And one of the myths surrounding this health scare is that pot vape pens need to be adultered with other chemicals. That's not true. You can get a pot vape pen where the only thing in that cartridge is what is also in the cannabis that you would load into your pipe or your joint. So as long as I'm smoking pot, I'm still feeling confident that I can vape uh, these vape pens that are regulated that don't have these additives that are probably causing these illnesses. Are they marketed as like all natural vape pens? Or what's the yeah. what, what do you look for if you want the unadulterated vape juice, as Rich <laughs> called it? Well, in Washington state, uh, the processors need to list every chemical that they have in the vape pen. So you should look at that product and it should not say there's any other chemicals because you're able to have only cannabis in it. They're often called a CO2 extracted full spectrum. There's a lot of different words for these products, um, but you know you should know your brand, you should know your pot store, and they should be confident when they tell you that this has no other additives in it. All right. What about if you don't live in Washington State? Because as you know, Blabbermouth has national and every once in a while global reach. But anyway, let's just talk about America. What do you what do you do if you're not in Washington? I would stop vaping pot if I was not in a legal state. I do not trust anything coming from the black market. There's a lot of crazy chemicals that these producers can put in these. And if there's no regulator watching, I'm not going to take that vape pen. All right, Rich. Yeah, there doesn't seem to be. I mean, the the, the problem that I'm seeing um, it is mostly around uh, pot vapes, and it's mostly about like black market people putting vitamin E acetate in there, and that is. I haven't seen anything about e-cig or nicotine based uh, vapes causing uh, these these illnesses. The uh, Washington uh, State Department of Health and the King County Department of Health both say that um, you know vaping. Um, you know they're not coming out for vaping, uh, <laughs> but they say that it's probably safer than smoking cigarettes, which I did for 15 years and was able to stop. You know, with the vape, and though I did have like some pain in my chest while this whole vape scare was happening, and we were like, we don't know what's going on, we don't know what's going on, uh-huh. and I, I I cut back completely. It turned out it was just a little trapped gas. The problem when you're <laughs> vaping, it's just. <laughs> well, wait, how did you? What did you do? What? I just burped a lot. (laughs) It's like you're sucking in a lot of extra air when you vape, like compared to a cigarette. And then so you're just like, you get kind of like, you know, after a surgery, sometimes you've got trapped gas in your, in your, in your chest. And so that happened. It just unfortunately happened while the, everyone's afraid of dying because of uh, mass vape lung. All right. Thank you for your help with this health and pot wellness segment of Blabbermouth. (laughs) Lester, thank you for coming on. Yeah, thanks, Eli. Jasmine Kamek, hello. 
Hi, Eli. You just saw a great show here in Seattle. I did. Um, I had the pleasure of seeing a British artist named Slow Tie. Um, and it was, I have it in my notes as being fucking sick, <laughs> <laughs> which is always good for um, a show. So kind of backing up a little bit, Slow Tie is a part of this genre of music called grime. Okay. Um, grime came about in the early 2000s in London and the UK, uh, and it was kind of born out of electronic music um, and like jungle, dance hall, uh, and a huge component of it is rapping. Okay. Um, and so we, it, it kind of gets compared to hip hop, uh, and it is, but it, it's, it has like a kind of edge to it that you can't necessarily, you know, groove to it in the same way that you can like, um, a underground Kings song. <laughs> um, and, uh, it's very distinct. Um, and in the past kind of decade, it's really grown in popularity, uh, and so much so that there's kind of uh, a lot of crossover between American artists and these British grime artists. So, um, it, and Slow Tie is a grime rapper, and yeah, and he so he he can be kind of under the umbrella of grime in that he kind of raps over these electronic sounds uh, in a way that is punkish and. Um, full of like a lot of energy and um it's really it's really really great um and i found out about him during an interview i did with an a dj um and slow ties a brit he grew up in northampton on a council estate and he uh is coming out of england in this time when a lot of britons are really thinking about what it means to be english uh and he dropped his first album in may um, called Nothing Great About Britain. <laughs> and, and he has a song called Nothing Great About Britain, right? And so he's kind of playing with that um, make America great right. again kind of rhetoric. And he hates, you know, the monarchy. And he has these kind of clever rhymes. And, um, I think his, his music is really able to capture, uh, what it's like to be a millennial Brit, uh, British person at this moment in time. And like he raps about Yu Gi Oh! <laughs> I don't I don't know if anyone here knows Yu-Gi-Oh like the card game. Uh but to I I heard that shout out and uh, I felt really seen. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um All right, so he, Slow Tie is touring, right? Yeah, and so he's touring right now. He's finishing up his Coming to America tour. Um this is his first solo US tour and he'll be back in November with uh rap supergroup Brockhampton. Mm-hmm. Rich actually saw Brockhampton. I reviewed a Brockhampton show. And it's a super th- supergroup that met on a Kanye forum, uh-huh. Kanye fan forum. What did I think? All very talented. Yeah. Talented rappers. And uh, the, I mean a lot, of, a lot of like really catchy tunes. Yeah, catchy tunes. Catchy tunes. <laughs> right. And um the thing that stuck out most to me about the Slow Tie show was it was it, it felt really punk. Yeah. In a certain sense, uh, there was a lot of young people, um, and it was kind of it was raucous, right? But it didn't get out of control. Like he he was able to kind of direct the energy in a sense that it it felt constructive um, while also being very chaotic at the same time. And I think it's very hard for music artists to to do that and to harness an energy. And another kind of thing that he did was he took off all his clothes. Uh-huh. You know, so after the first couple of tracks, the shirt came off. Next couple of tracks, pants. Uh, so he's in his underwear, and then he like took off his socks, and it it, it didn't seem weird. It seemed very natural. Um, and so he's just up there rapping, sweating in his boxer briefs. Okay. <laughs> uh, so my favorite Brockhampton songs are "Gold" and "Sweet." Yeah. 
<laughs> and uh, just if you want like three three tracks from Slow Tide to kind of sure. get you started, uh, Inglorious off of Nothing Great About Britain, Jiggle off of one of his earlier albums, and Tea and Biscuits, which was the first track that kind of propelled him to the mainstream. And you could find these on Spotify also, all, right? All, all on Spotify, okay. people. All on um, Apple Music. Get it on YouTube. Get it on YouTube. Get a, Watch the a, video. Make a little playlist. <laughs> yeah. What I was going to ask is, uh, for someone like me who hadn't heard of grime rap until you brought it up, can you place in between like two poles with, you know, sort of familiar references, like with a, a rapper, <laughs> like with rap that people the average me i guess would have heard of on one side and uh punk or electronic music i guess on the other like where does he sit between um i ooh, that's an interesting question i think he he kind of sits between there's a grime rapper named skepta i'm not sure if you've heard of him he did some collabs with uh kanye Mm -hmm. um so that that bringing that kind of energy that skepta does to a track and then also so Vaguely Kanye. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then perhaps the Ramones or something. I, I, I think okay. that's not really a great spectrum to put them in, but that's... Maybe more that's Sex Pistols. Yes. Yeah, just sex. because of like it has that kind of barking kind of quality to his flow it's like you know yeah, yeah. and then um yeah it's and it's that's very antsy yeah it's very like um class clown that made fun of you but maybe he also had some good points yeah all right yeah. so kanye cross with the sex pistols yeah, sort I, of i wow. feel really not great about that <laughs> but sure jasmine there's something else you like uh fka twigs oh let me i Best. love that i love this woman very deeply um, she's also another British musician, uh, and she very much flirts with the boundaries of many genres. Um, she first kind of got her start as a backup dancer for people like Jesse J, and she started making music. Um, and it is kind of in this situ- this place between whispery, druggy, sexy, weird fairy shit and Bjork. And uh, which is I have that's the same thing basically and uh, alternative R and B and you l- know I love uh, this person sits between this and that so that's I, I love <laughs> right, that right right that that, that uh, places her for me right and so she she very much kind of deals with you know eroticism and desire in this way that isn't su- super clear cut um, she talks a lot about she she's kind of in this genre of artists that I think really discuss topping from the bottom if that makes sense <laughs> interesting um yeah. very it's very <laughs> and much yes that. it does yeah and um power she, bottom is that yeah i guess yeah well, pow- i think topping from the bottom is a better way of <laughs> explaining what fka twigs tone is like right like it's like i'm gonna submit to you but it's because this trust that i'm giving you that makes me that gives me the power yeah it's uh-huh. like when a god gives you a part of her power right or something you know, exactly. That, yeah. yeah, that's exactly what it is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A lot and of so, gestures to subdom relationships in the music. Okay. Tons. Um, and uh, she is releasing her second album, her second full length called Magdalene. And um, she's be- because she's a dancer, she incorporates a lot of different things into her, her work. So the show will be um, the show that she's touring with with this album will be there will be a lot of pole dancing, wushu, voguing. Um, all kinds of dancing. And so she, she knows how to give a good performance and she's doing nine cities. Uh, I think 
pre-orders were just released and people should absolutely buy a ticket and and check this out and you know go home and have sex to it or something yeah or you can even it's like it's great because it's listening to it is it's like having sex and then you can also just have sex yeah, later you can and you do, can you do can... sex two times <laughs> once with just music in your brain and then once with a human being right and if more americans knew how to top from the bottom <laughs> it'd just be a much better country <laughs> Jasmine, thank you. The artists are FKA Twigs and grime rapper Slow Tie. Rich, thank you. Thank you. Just a little shout out. FKA Twigs is a great follow on Instagram uh, because it's just like her doing like sword moves and stuff. And just watching her dance training is like watching a soldier preparing for an ultimate war. Anyway. I'm sorry. I know you're trying to wrap up, but you should also listen to Lights On by FKA Twigs. Glass and Patron and Cellophane. And two weeks. And two weeks. If you really haven't heard, two weeks was my... I was listening to... I listened to that while I <laughs> worked out. While you did your sword training? <laughs> yes, while I did my sword training. And it was just... Uh, it was, it's great. It's very intense music. All right, Rich, thanks. Thanks. Jasmine, thank you. Thanks. And that's the show. If you've got something you want to say to Jasmine Kimig, Rich Smith, Katie Herzog... Lester Black or me, call the Blabber phone, 206-302-2063, or dive on into our Blabbermouth Podcast Facebook group. Thanks, as always, to Ahmed Filet J. Alua for making the music we use on the show each week, and to Nancy Hartunian for bringing our blabbering mouths to your ears. 